We're starting these verses here, John 15 and 16. John chapter 15 and verse 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and be fruit or bear fruit. Jesus chooses us and then he says, I've I've designated you, I've positioned you, I've equipped you through this relationship, through me choosing you, through me connecting to you to be abundantly (coughs) fruitful. And before that he says that you might bear fruit, that the world might know that you're my disciples and that you might show God off to be excellent, that you might glorify God and that you might magnify God and that people might look at you and say, wow, who's your dad? Who's your dad? I want to know him too. That's the life that we're called to, to, to um, live, that people might look at us and say, I want to know who your father is. <laughs> I want to know him. Because you are wonderfully productive, you're wonderfully fruitful, and you're demonstrating the kingdom of God in an amazing way. Now the problem comes when we hear that, and we hear about abundant fruit, and we hear about being productive, and we hear about glorifying God, and we hear about demonstrating who God is. And then often we turn that into a work. We turn that into something that I'm going to do for God. This is a fruit I'm going to produce for you, God. I hear this commission that you've chosen me to be productive and fruitful and God-glorifying and to demonstrate the excellency of your name. Now I'm going to produce that for you. Now when you're in a church like ours on the journey that we're going on, the things that we're talking about can feel absolutely overwhelming because what we're talking about is we want to learn how to prophesy in the church and outside the church and we want to hear God's voice and bring it to people, have words for people and go off and speak life to them. And we're believing for the resurrection of the dead, we're believing for blind eyes opening, we're believing for deaf ears hearing, we're believing for the lame to walk, the sick to be healed, we're believing for the transformation of a whole community, we're believing for the excellence and glory of God to so transform Plumstead, Woolard, Thamesmead, all these areas that whole communities are going to look on at churches and say, who's your dad? (laughs) Because of the excellence of what's being produced by local church and local believers. Now, if you turn that into a work that you do for God, it won't take very long for you to realise that you either, I can't do it, or you'll become so overwhelmed by the work that you'll pull back and think, okay, I'm going to settle for a lesser work. I'll settle for something that I can do without God. I'll set up for something that isn't so supernatural, that doesn't require something impossible. And that's often what happens. We hear a huge mandate and a huge calling, and we realise that it's impossible, and we don't mix it with faith. And so we dial it down and think, I'm just going to do what I know I can do. In 1996, um, June 29th, I got married, and uh, Jean Beville, um, Rochelle's uncle, an amazing man of God, an apostolic, heaven-to-earth, prophetic, healing ministry man of God, prayed for us. And uh, what was interesting, sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, you can't stand because it's like you've been bolted into electricity. When a human being meets infinite God, sometimes your body reacts. And for us on our wedding ceremony, that meant the reaction was we were under a chair at our own wedding into the floor. Because this guy prophesied over something over us that was so astounding and so amazing. He talked about the miraculous. He talked about the power of God. He talked about heaven to earth. He talked about nations. And it was incredible. And what you do with a prophetic word, you 
you, you weigh it and you work it out, yeah, it resonated, we could feel it was from God, and then we transcribed it and you read it. But honestly, I must say I didn't believe it, because it hit my ears and all I could hear was, you can't do this, you can't do this, and even if you could, you're not worthy to do this. Not Someone like you, with your type of personality, doesn't do these kind of things. That's what it hit. And so, I loved the word, we treasured the word, I just didn't believe it. Um, fast forward 2007, April, so we're, we're now looking, uh, 11 years later, I'm in a meeting with Rochelle and a, pro- a prophet called Julian Adams prophesies everything that Jean Beville prophesied 11 years before. And this time I'm thinking, I better mix this with faith. And it was like we had been with Jesus and encountered Jesus. And it was hard to sleep for three months. And we went on a journey of just reading anything we could find about men and women with the miraculous and healing ministries. And my initial reaction was this time I'm not going to let it go. This time I'm going to mix it with faith. And then I made the fatal error this time I'm going to do it for you, God. This time I'm going to bear the fruit. This time I'm not going to let it go. This time I'm going to be productive. So I went to work. I went to work on my character. I went to work on my personality. I went to work on anything that I thought that would block the fulfilment of the prophetic work. I thought, I'm not letting 11 years go by. And I say that's, that was a fatal error because God wasn't asking me to go to work. He was bringing my attention that I've called you to bear impossible fruit. And so I want to read these verses to you this morning. And I want to read you then a little bit from a book that really impacted me. So from verse 15, verse, chapter 15 and verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cleans, is another translation of prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves be my disciples. And so I heard this amazing prophetic word and went to work, unaware that Jesus says, actually, you can do nothing. And then I came across this book by John Wimber, and I came across something I've read to you before, and it pretty much summarized everything that I felt and everything I was going through. And he says this, John Wimber, we think that the key to maturity and power is to be good. And that's what I thought. The promise has come of impossible fruit. Now my job is to be good. Because for this to flow out to the world, I need to be good enough. He says, we think the key to maturity and power is to be good. 
We then focus on our behaviour. But our behaviour never meets the high standards of Christ's righteousness. Wimber says this, I did this for years. By focusing on my behaviour, I was in constant turmoil. Because my behaviour was never good enough. Rarely meeting God's or my own standards of righteousness. I first believed in Christ because I wasn't good. After, yet after becoming a Christian, I still struggled in my own strength with not being good enough. So I was always under conviction, always struggling with guilt. Then, one day, 22 years ago, I fell to my knees and asked God to help me. I sensed him respond. Since you can do nothing without me, how much help do you want, he said. The issue is not being good, it is being God's. Just come to me and I'll provide goodness for you. I did not understand his words. What did he mean, I'll provide goodness for you? I was confused. So for the next five years, I tried to be good in my own strength. I soon became more and more despondent. Finally, I began to ask God what I sensed he had told me earlier concerning his goodness. He explained that he had good works prepared for me, but they were his works, and I could not do them for him. He told me that I needed to begin to listen to his voice rather than try to distill the Christian life down to a set of rules and principles. I began to listen more during my times of prayer and Bible study and more consciously talked with him throughout the normal activities of the day. Then something interesting began to happen. He put new desires and attitudes in me. His spirit began to strengthen me to do righteous acts I had previously no desire for. I began to sense his voice more often throughout the day, and good works were multiplied in my life. Today, I no longer try to be good. Instead, I am only concerned with doing God's bidding. What he commands, I do. Now my personal life is more conformed to the righteousness and character than it used to be. Following his commands does not leave much room for sin. See, that's often what happens in the church. We, we hear a call, a rallying call, a, a vision, a mission to reach the world. And then we go to work on ourselves to be good. And we try to find principles and formulas and methods to become a people who can hear his voice and pray for the sick and prophesy life and change atmospheres. And we go to work. And Jesus says... No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Since you can do nothing, God asks you today, how much help do you need? And nothing means nothing. It doesn't mean nothing just in terms of the things that we call spiritual. It means your very existence. You can't even keep yourself alive without the word of God speaking into you. So Hebrews 1 says... I am alive today because he's speaking a word that is keeping my atoms and my body and who I am together. 
If his word ceased, I would turn into a mush on the floor. Because the very existence of who I am and who you are is held together by him. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus is saying, this is my identity in the relationship. This is who I am in it. I'm the vine. You want to know where grace comes from? Look to the vine. You want to know where strength comes from? Look to the vine. You want to know where vitality and power comes from? Look to the vine. That's who I am in the relationship. That's who I am for you. Capacity flows from me to you. It doesn't flow from you to me. Your identity, who you are, you're the branch. This is Jesus saying, this is, a, this is who you are, this is who I am. I'll always be the life providing part. You'll always be the displaying part. That's always who you're going to be. And so our role then is to be dependent, to be trusting, to be reliant, to be uh, 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 surrendered, to be yielded. Because he's the vine and I'm the branch. It's our job to display fruit. It's his job to provide life and strength and vitality. It's not your job to fix yourself. Alright? It's not your job to come to the Bible to find out what's wrong and then go and fix yourself. It's not your job to come to church or be with other Christians to find out where you're falling short and then go and do some DIY morality on yourself and then represent yourself back to God and say, look, I fixed myself up. It's not your job to fix yourself up. Your only job is to abide and connect to the vine. That's all, all we're called to do. Our role and responsibility in the earth is not to try and be amazing. It's not to try and say things that are profound and amazing. One of Jesus' prophetic words to Nathaniel was, I saw you under a tree. Wow, that's a revelation, isn't it? I saw you under a tree and this guy has an encounter with God. It's not the most profound prophetic word. It's just Jesus connected to the Father, doing what the Father says, saying what the Father says to do. Yeah. It's not our responsibility to try and be profound and astounding and amazing to the world. Yeah. Our job is to be a branch, yeah. to be connected to the vine and let his life flow to us. Jesus is the source of all fruit, all fruitfulness and everything that's productive. Like that Wimber quote says, we came to Jesus because we weren't good enough. We came to Jesus because we weren't strong enough. We came to Jesus because we weren't able. And it's very easy then how quickly we then get into the pattern of trying to be good enough and trying to be able and trying to be productive. And I think that's part of the reason we struggle sometimes to connect with the idea that we're called to be supernaturally, nat naturally supernatural. Because it just is so impossible, we think... Do you know what? Right now, it's hard enough not to go through the week and sin, let alone go into every community and bring transformation. I'm just about doing okay huddled in my bunker. Now you're raising the bar so high. Can't even read my Bible and talk to him. Now you want me to talk to the world. And we have to come to the conclusion we were never meant to do it for him. He's meant to do it in us and through us. And that's what these verses are talking about. Now sometimes we read these verses and we can read words like, if 
you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. These verses are not about salvation. They're not about the security of salvation. They're not about losing your salvation. They're not about if you don't do this and this and this, you'll be cut up and burned. These are about fruitfulness. And these are about the type of relationship that we're invited to enjoy with King Jesus. He says, you're already clean. It's a bit like when you wash their feet. He says, actually, I don't need to wash your feet. You're already clean. Believer, you're already clean. The question here is not about can you lose your salvation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing in the future, nothing in the past, nothing in heaven, nothing in hell. Nothing can separate you from his love. And the question is, what kind of relationship do you want with God? What kind of relationship do you want with the King of Glory? What kind of relationship would you like to have with God? What kind of connection would you like to enjoy? And some of us can feel that actually we're more like we feel we're withering and we feel we're struggling. And actually God is saying this morning, you can know a vibrancy in a life. And there's a choice that we can make about the kind of connection, the kind of relationship that we want to enjoy with God. Because he's not going to let go. He's committed. He's going nowhere. But he offers us, a, a, he says there's a very real question here. If, if, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the branch and you are the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's a, invitation here from him that invites us into a choice of how close do we really want to be? How much of him do we really want to have? How much of his life do we really, really want to have flowing in us? Love Jesus. He never will never use control on you. He'll never manipulate you. He'll never draw you in and say, I'm going to threaten you with punishment. He will woo us in with love and then leave us a question. How much do you want? How much do you want? How much of me do you want? How much of my life do you want to enjoy? If, if you remain in me, if my words remain in you, it's not about you get it wrong and he's going to disconnect and go off. He's committed to you. He's got you in his hand. He's going nowhere. It's not about if you don't perform and be productive that he's cutting you off and throwing you in the fire. He's not doing that. There's no condemnation. The question is, honestly, how much do you want How much would you like? How much of God would you like to enjoy? Ephesians says the very fullness of God. It's what the world is looking on and waiting to see. Doesn't need to see frantic believers frantically running around. 
trying to change the world in their own strength. Just needs to see people who have learned the secret of abiding. Imagine you're walking in a forest and you hear the grunting of a tree. So if this is Lord of the Rings, the tree can talk. The tree is, ah! What is an apple tree? What's wrong with you? I want to bear fruit. I'm going to push out some fruit. And there's another apple tree over there. What's wrong with you? Same problem. I want to be fruitful. Bear russet apples. There's a whole orchard full of... You just say to them, listen. Enjoy the soil. Draw from it. And the tree would not. Right? Make sure that the sun is shining on you. And just rest in the sun. Draw nutrients from the soil. Fruit is coming. Amen. And you speak peace to the whole orchard. <laughs> oh, grunting orchard, it was much easier than you thought. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the abundance of productive, God-glorifying life is not something you produce for God. The world looks on and says, the church, you are irrelevant to me. Because we're like grunting trees. We're going to produce it for you, God. We're going to do it for you, God. And then some people who are really earnest and zealous, they go on and go on and go on. And then some people just fall away and disappointed and exhausted that they couldn't bear the impossible fruit. Other people, other trees in the church, as it were, says, oh, let's just change the fruit. If we just change the fruit to, I can bear the fruit of turning up on a Sunday. and I can bear the fruit of, I read my Bible every day and I talk to God. No, we're called to, out of this relationship, bear impossible, life-changing, world-changing, community-changing, family-impacting truth that makes the world look on and says, who is your dad? I want to meet him. We're called to walk in wherever we go. We don't need to talk about the fruit. It's just hanging off the leaves of our lives, the branches of our lives of love and kindness and joy and thanksgiving and self-control. We're just burdened with fruit. Of wisdom. You, say, you need wisdom? Just pick an apple. Here's some wisdom. You need a word of knowledge? I've got words of knowledge. You need a prophetic word from God? I can give, bring you that. You need a revelation of his goodness? I'll bring you that. You're sick? I can sort that out in him. Because of who he is in me and who I am in him. It's the decision to say, I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to yield to you. I'm not going to pull away from your words to me that are affectionate and kind and powerful and produce life, hope and peace. I'm not pulling away from them, Jesus. Your words can find their home in my life. He's saying to the Holy Spirit, you come and make your home in me. I'll make my home in you. You want the TV by the window? You have the TV by the window. You want the sofa there? You can make your home in me. And it can look any way it, you want it to look. And in a couple of weeks' time, 
I want to look at this verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Amen. I want to honestly talk about how connection and intimacy and yieldedness and surrender and delight leads to a place of being asked for anything we wish. Because sometimes we skip past those verses and think he can't really mean anything. I want to unpack that a bit more. I want to invite you to something. I want to invite you. Um, I invite myself too. To know God. In the most connected, intimate, trusting, empowering, life-giving, vibrant, freedom-producing way that Jesus intended invite you to lay aside baggage called performance baggage called religion which is form without power going through the motions with no expectancy of God to leave behind to leave behind the idea that really all you're ever going to produce in your life Leave behind low expectation of what's possible in you and in your life. To put aside arguments like I'll never be good enough. Or I don't have the personality for it. That you somehow need to be some extrovert to transform the atmosphere of your workplace, your family, your office, your world. You don't. You just need to be connected to the vine in a life-giving, vibrant way. And this is the mystery, I guess, of these verses, that we are in Christ if you're a believer. These verses are talking about where are you drawing your strength from? You can be in Christ and Christ can be in you and you can be seated in heavenly places as you are and be absolutely oblivious to any of his reality. These verses are drawing us to draw on the vine, to make demands on the vine, to make demands on its life-giving power, to say, I can do nothing. Husbands, you can't love your wives. Wives, you can't love your husbands. Mums, dads, you can't love your kids. Teachers, you can't love your class. Guys in your work, women in your work, you can't do your job well without the life-giving properties of the vine. You can't bear impossible fruit. You can't love. You can't have joy. You can't have hope. We're absolutely unable to do the singlest thing, like even wake up in the morning without the life-giving property of the vine. We must have more of him. We must draw upon him. We can't love our community well, have compassion without the compassion and the life that comes from the vine. Mm-hmm. 
and just in your spirit, you can leave it all behind today. Performance, you leave it behind. Trying to be good, you leave it behind. Shame, you leave it behind. Guilt, you leave it behind. Independence, you leave it behind. Trusting him in every area. Yeah, Jesus, we come to you now and we we just say today is a day, God, where we choose to believe that all life and strength and capacity flows from you to us. That we are dependent, reliant branches. That we're not called to be grunting to try and produce impossible fruit. But we just draw on you, the life-giving vine. And we come to you today. We just say there's a mark in the sand today, God. I just feel I want to finish but this I just feel like there's it's very hard to articulate I feel what God's offering and the kind of life he's offering and I want to say to you it doesn't have to be years and years and years it can happen today in 2011 a lady prophesied over to me she said it doesn't have to be so hard God wants to do most of the pulling and I wondered what that might look like. 2013, someone prophesied over me again, Julian Adams, stop wearing Saul's armour. You only have to get your weapons from the river. You know, as David got his five stones. In 2015, October, God said to me, through someone else. It's like you've been rolling dice and trying to get the numbers and you've been frustrated as you're trying to get the numbers. Trying to make it happen, trying to work it, trying to get something going in the community, trying to see more of God. Came to me from 2011 to 2015 with the same thing. Just like John Wimber, my real core issue was this. God, I'm going to do this for you. Not you're going to do this in me. My urgency with you, dear friends, is I'm making myself honest and vulnerable because I don't want you to waste any time. Paul says in the Bible that we face certain things and we struggle with certain things for your breakthrough. So that you could get in a moment that maybe took another person to get in 20 years. I'm honestly saying to you this morning that the life you've always dreamt about in Christ is not even a breath away, it's here now. And all it starts with is this. Since I can do nothing, I need you. You don't need people to prophesy over you like they did me three times saying the same thing. 
until I got it. Seriously, you can have it today. And it's all it is is this. It's coming to God and enjoying God. It's coming to God and saying, I'm basking in the light of your love. It's coming to God and saying, I'm letting my roots go deep into the nutrients of your heart and your goodness. It's letting God speak his delight and kindness and joy over you and not pulling away and saying, you can't mean that about me. It's just agreeing with him. I agree, I surrender, I yield. It's every day coming and recognising that my very existence is, is dependent upon Christ and who Christ is in me and who I am in here. It's understanding the truth that you never ever fall short of the glory because you've been lifted up to the glory and you're now seated with him in heavenly places. It's knowing that you don't have to climb a ladder to get right with him, you're right in his heart right now. There's no work to do, no climbing to do, no effort. It's understanding that to get the prophetic and words of knowledge and breakthrough and healing is nothing to do with you. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author of faith. It's understanding that we're like little children with ice cream all over our faces saying, where are we going, Papa? We're about as useful as a baby. And yet he partners with us and calls us to do impossible glorifying things because that's who he wants us to be. May I ask you to stand? He's chosen you and you are going to bear impossible fruit. You're going to astound the world with Jesus Christ and glorify the Father. You are going to be people that the world looks on and says, who is your dad? I want to meet him. That's who you are. You're people who are going to have coming out of your mouth when you see sicknesses. I know the healer. And they're going to be healed in an instant as you lay your hands on them. You're going to find coming out of your mouth prophetic things that you thought, oh, where did that come from? And it's going to change someone's life. And when someone comes and says to you, tell me your secret, you'll say this. I just let him love me. I just let him love me and I didn't pull away. I just understood that apart from him I can do nothing. Prophesy to the church. We say we are a church that's going to bear impossible fruit. We're a blessing to our community because we're connected to the life-giving vine. We say we have answers, we have strategies, we have innovation to bless the world. People in this room, you're going to be the catalyst of family generational change. Generations are going to become believers because of the decisions that you're making in these moments to yield and surrender and connect to Christ. Even that's not a work. It's just an obvious, obvious reality. I need you. I must have more of you. I want to draw on you. I'm nothing without you. I'm not sufficient for these things. You are my sufficiency. Come Holy Spirit, we draw on your life-giving power. We lean into you. We draw on you. I'm a branch. We're branches. We're going to display wonderful fruit for you because we are receiving, even right now, the vibrancy and the vitality and the strength and the courage of King Jesus. We're drawing on you, Lord. (laughs) 
We're leaving behind powerless, grunting, striving, performance, comparison-based Christianity. And we're embracing the vibrancy of being connected to the life-giving vine. Come, King Jesus. The world is waiting to see a church that rises up as the head, not the tail. That rises up as the answer to society and the hope of the world. And we know that you are the one who makes us sufficient for impossible things. So we say, increase it, King Jesus. Increase it, King Jesus. We look to you and we draw from you. We're not striving for it. We're not grunting for it. We're just drawing on you, God. We're drawing on you, God. We're getting identity from who you say we are. We're getting our identity from the promises that you've made. Yeah, we say, let it increase, God. (laughs) Let it increase, God. Draw on him yourself. Begin to pray. Delight in him. He loves you so, so much. He's so for you. He affirms you. He's affectionate towards you. His kindness is towards you. He loves you so much. He delights over you with singing and spinning. You're his favourite. <laughs> he loves time with you. He loves it when you wake up in the morning. He loves to speak to your heart through the night and through the watches of the night. He loves you so, so, so very, very much. Come to your Father. Let him love on you. Prodigals who have been away, let him love on you today. Come running to the Father who has no... He will not talk about your past and what you did wrong. He will just bring acceptance to you. He'll put the cloak on your back and the sandals on your feet and the ring on your finger. And he throws a party. You who have never come to him, come to him today. He loves you so, so much. He loves you so, so much. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you so much. We delight in you. We say, let it increase, God. Let it increase, God. We're drawing on the life-giving vine. Watch out, world. Watch out, world. There's a church emerging that's sussed it out. We can't do anything. We can't do anything, God. We can't do anything, but we're connected to the life-giving power of the risen Christ. Holy Spirit, you've come as the friend and the paraclete. The one who comes alongside and leads us and makes us fruitful. We've sussed it out. It's all about Jesus. We've sussed it out, God. (laughs) We've connected the dots. We've worked it out, God. We can't do anything without God. Wow, what a revelation. We thought we could do it for you. Hallelujah, we can't. And God, we just say right now, there's, there's coming to some of you, just be desired for the prophetic to come. He's now saying that, that there's going to come a hearing like you've always dreamt of. But the reason it's being blocked is because you thought you could do it for him. And you've been like straining from your head to think when actually he wants to speak to your heart. And he just says there's coming an upgrade in that right now in Jesus' name. You're suddenly going to know things and think things. And he's suddenly going to move into it in new ways. There's, there's gifts of faith being released now where you're just going to know something. You're going to have faith about something. Like you think, I just know because I know because I know because I know he wants to do it. And that's because the author of faith has produced that in you. Expectancy. There's going to come times for you when you're in the presence of God where you can be overwhelmed with love and overwhelmed with tenderness and the kindness of the King. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. There's increase in it. There's increase in it. Yeah, so we're just going to wait in for you just a moment longer, God. Whoa, we love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We're so in love with you. You're so very, 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 very good. We love you. (laughs) Whoa, you love us so much, don't you? 
You're so besotted with us. Oh, Father, you just oh, you just love us so much. Wow, what a smile you have. Wow, what delight and kindness. What acceptance. Oh, we're your pleasure, aren't we? We're the apple of your eye. We're your treasure. You're not disappointed with us. You're so, so very pleased. Bless you, bless you, bless you, God. Thank you, Jesus.